Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church, where we are one church with multiple locations. We believe that God wants to bless you right where you are. In just a few moments, you're gonna hear some practical teaching from God's Word that we hope is inspiring and relevant to your life. First though, if you have not yet joined us for a live service, we encourage you to visit eclife.org for our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel live in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you would like to give financially, we invite you to do so at eclife.org by clicking on the Giving tab and choosing Online Campus as your campus. Thank you again for joining us. We hope that this message will help guide you in your own spiritual journey. So excited to be here with you today, but I am, to be honest, I am struggling a little bit. We had one less hour of sleep last night, okay? All right, and also last night, my son played in a basketball game. It was very, very exciting. It was the regional finals. We almost won, uh, but let's just say the referees made some bad calls. So I was in the stands and I was screaming and yelling. Hopefully I was representing Emmanuel pretty well. Uh, I didn't wear my manual shirt, uh, but I was uh, actually, uh, no, I kept my, I think I did okay. But anyway, anyway, so I lost my voice a little bit, lost some sleep last night, but we're here and we're in a new series right now. I want to welcome all of our campuses, our Banta campus, our Franklin campus, our online campus, our Purdue microsite. Can we give it up for all of our campuses? Welcome, Greenwood campus as well. Last week, we started a brand new series called Mind Games. You know, I was looking at a research study this week that's, that it was so interesting. They took this professional skier, okay, professional skier. They laid him down in a bed, and they attached all kinds of pads to him and wires to him and hooked him up to all these machines to kind of monitor his muscles and all his brain waves and all that stuff. And they said, here's what we want you to do. We just want you to think. That's all we want you to do. We want you to think about your downhill routine and, and we want you to go through it in your mind and as if you're actually going, as, just, as if you're actually skiing. And it was absolutely amazing what they found. As he was just simply, just laying totally still on his bed, as he was thinking through his downhill routine, all of the machines measured his muscle twitches and fibers and his muscles were reacting and, and, and he was totally still but his body was responding to what his brain was thinking. The mind is a powerful thing. It has a powerful influence in our body. How many of you believe today that your thoughts affect your life? They have a powerful influence on your life. Absolutely, they do. I said last week that when you show someone a picture of a loved one, it can reduce physical pain up to 44%. Wow. The mind-body connection is amazing. We said last week that your, the condition of your life is really the byproduct of the way you've been thinking in your mind. I quoted a guy named James Allen who wrote a book called As a Man Thinketh, published in 1903. He said, you are today where your thoughts have brought you. You'll be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. Our minds are powerful things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and excellent, whatever is good rapport, think about these things. In Colossians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says, set your minds on things above, not on things on earth. Do you think Paul knew the power of the mind? Do you think he understood how important it is to our spiritual growth and the transformation of our lives? Yes or no? Absolutely. But he's not the only one who knew. The devil knows. Our enemy knows. 
If he is real, which Jesus spoke about him, he called him the liar. He said he was the father of lies. Peter said that he roams around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Jesus said he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. If we have an enemy, which we do, do you believe this? Yes or no? Do you believe this? Where would he begin to attack you and I? Like if he wanted to ruin our lives, like where would he assault us? And the answer is simple. He would begin in our where? In our minds. And that's exactly what he does. He comes into our life and he tells us lie after lie. And his goal is to create what? We said it last week, to create a stronghold. What's a stronghold? It's an internal prison built lie upon lie, brick by brick, to keep us captive, to cut us off from the life that Jesus Christ has came to give us, eternal life and abundant life. And that's what he tries to do. And all we want to do in this series is look at these lies that Satan tells us that create these strongholds that cut us off from the life of God. Last week we looked at a powerful lie. And the lie was simply this. Oh, don't take your faith too seriously. I mean, go to church a little bit here and there. Maybe even join a small group. But don't go all in. And Satan throws that lie at us, especially us men, so that we can be cut off from the life that Jesus Christ has came to give us. How do we fight these lies? Well, the Apostle Paul said that we have weapons, but our weapons are not of this world. They're not bombs and guns and knives and, and, and swords. No, they're spiritual weapons. He said this, we basically, we tear down strongholds, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, by taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Jesus Christ, right? Jesus put it this way in John chapter 8. He said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you, say with me, free. Free from what? Free from the lie of the enemy, free from the stronghold she's trying to build in our lives. We must take every thought captive and bring it underneath the teachings of Jesus and match it up and align it with the truth. And if it's not true, we get it out of our lives, we tear it down and we replace it with the truth of God's word. So last week we said, hey, you can be as godly as you want to be. Matthew chapter 5, verse 40, verse 28. Jesus said, you can be holy as your heavenly father. Be teleos, be fully mature as your heavenly father is fully mature. And so today what I want to do is I just want to look at another lie that Satan throws at us to try to cut us off from the life of God to build a stronghold in our life. And it's a real simple one, but it's a powerful one. You will always be this way. You'll always be this way. And it's tailored to you. It's a specific lie that's tailored to your life. I was on a run a couple years ago with a friend of mine, and we were just out there three or four mile run about halfway in he has this sincere moment and he looks at me and he says you know I I have this particular struggle in my life and he told me what the struggle was and he asked me with all the sincerity in his heart he said do you think I'll always be that way do you think that this will always be a struggle for me in my life and we were just out there running exercising and I could tell I could tell just by the way he asked the question and the tone of his voice as we were jogging that he was almost at the point where he's like, yeah, this is just the way it is. It was kind of his last ditch hope question. Do you, ever, do you think I'll always be this way? Will this always be a struggle? See, the enemy comes at you and he comes at me and he says this. It's a very, very subtle, very simple lie, but so powerful. You will always be a fearful person. You, you have lived in fear. You will continue to live in fear. You will always be fearful. You will always be an anxious person. 
Anxiety is a thing that you've struggled with for years. It started in middle school, went through high school, on through college. You're anxious. You'll always be anxious. Mama was anxious. Grandma was anxious. Everybody's popping pills for anxiety. You are anxious. You'll always be anxious. You're always going to be angry. See, here's the deal with anger. Your papa was angry. Grandpa had a temper. Everybody know about grandpa's temper, right? You're going to, you are an angry person. You'll always be angry. Runs in the family. You will always be overweight. Listen, everyone in your family is overweight. No one's in shape. It's just the way it is. Nobody's thin. You'll always struggle with your weight. The enemy comes out and he, and he just tailors this lie right to you, to your specific weakness. You'll always be depressed. You've been depressed. You, you know, you've struggled with depression. You take the pills for depression. Your mom was depressed. Your Aunt Susie was depressed. Depression runs in your family. You'll always be a depressed person. Enemy comes at you. He tailors this lie right to you. You'll always struggle with finances. You'll never get ahead. You'll always be strapped with debt. You're never going to have a job that pays enough to get the bills paid. Money is always going to be, you'll never have enough. It'll always be that way. You'll always have financial problems. The enemy comes and he whispers that to us. You'll always be this way. You'll always struggle with the alcohol. Listen, your whole family, or you have a family of alcoholics. Listen, dad was an alcoholic, grandpa was. Listen, you're Irish, it's in the family, it's in the blood. And you know, Irish people drink beer. We're just, it's just the way it is. I've heard that story, have you? I mean, I've actually had people tell me, listen, we're just Irish, we have red hair, we drink beer, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> It'll always be this way. I'll never change. And eventually what happens is we, we, we make an agreement with this lie and we kind of almost in a sense seal our fate. You know, when, when trainers are trying to train an elephant, you can look this up later, it's true. They get him as a little baby, little baby elephant. And what they do is they... They get a rope. Sometimes it's a rope. Sometimes it's a chain. And what they do with the baby elephant is they tie it around, they tie the chain around the baby elephant's foot. They get it there. And, and as a baby, the elephant is not strong enough, you know, to break, to break it. And I just made a bad knot, so it didn't hold. <laughs> so, so the baby's there, right? Let me tie that up. And, and he's trying, and he's trying, and he's trying. And he's not strong enough. Gosh, that got kind of tight. Oh, and, and over time, this baby elephant learns, like, there's no point. So guess what it does? It stops trying. But then it keeps eating, and it keeps growing, and it gets larger. And Eventually, that elephant becomes an adult. Now, adult elephants are the largest land mammals on the planet right now. They can knock over trees. They can, knock, oh, they can knock over cars. You ever see an elephant on a rampage? It is a scary thing. But you can also Google it, and you can see grown elephants standing around, not even trying to get free. With one strong tug, this elephant, this elephant could break free, could just run free, but it won't even try. And why won't it try? Because as a young baby, it was mentally conditioned, I am stuck. 
And that's exactly what happens to you. And that's exactly what happens to me when we finally give in. Oh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'm depressed. I'm a depressed person. I'm, a, I'm an overweight person. I'm an anxious person. I'm just a person who, who has anxiety all the time. All right. As soon as you buy that, you limit yourself and then you start giving up. This is just the way it is. And two horrible things happen to me and two horrible things happen to you when we give in to this lie, this stronghold, when it takes root into our souls. Number one, you fail to become the person that God has created you to be. Your growth is completely stunted. It's thwarted. You fail to become just like, listen, God made you to become just like Jesus Christ in every way. He created you to become conformed to the image of Jesus. What does that mean? That you would take on the very character of Jesus Christ internally in your soul. Paul the apostle was writing a letter to a group of Christians in Galatia. And essentially the New Testament is made up of of letters that were written to real churches in Galatia and Thessalonica and Corinthians. and, and, And real people like me and you, like to this church. And he's writing to the church in Galatia. Listen to what he says to them. Oh, dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. Interesting. He probably should have said something like, as a man, I feel like I have kidney stones right now. He probably shouldn't have went to the labor because he had never experienced that. But okay, we'll give, we'll give it to him. Maybe he saw it happen a few times, right? He says, I, I, I feel like I'm going through labor pains for you. And they will continue until something happens. What is this something? Until Christ is fully formed in you. What does that mean? Well, this word here, this actually given, translated into two words, it's actually one word. It's this word, this Greek word, morpho. We get our English word metamorphosis from this Greek word. It means to go from one form to another form. God's plan is to take you from who you are right now and transform you in the same way a caterpillar is transformed into a butterfly from who you are into the person God made you to be, which is to be just like Jesus until Christ is fully formed in you. And when you and I are trapped in these lies, it'll always be this way. It'll always be this way. I'll never change. Guess what? We never become the person that God created us to be. We never become the person who's filled with joy, who's filled with strength, who has a deep faith that produces abiding peace. We never become the person who gets free from lust or free from anger. We are trapped by the strongholds of the enemy. And you lose out on a quality of life you were designed to have. I'm not going to let that happen to me. And my job as your pastor is to make sure to pave the way so that it doesn't happen for you. You miss out on the person that you were created to be, but it doesn't stop with you. Our lives are not just for us, our lives for other, other people around us. Number two, the second terrible thing that happens is those around you lose out. Like when you fail to transform, when you fail to become the person that God has created you to be, everyone around you suffers. They pay the price. If anger continues to get worse in your life, the people in your life have to pay the price for that anger. When your lust is out of control and you continue to have affairs and you're unfaithful to people in your life, guess what? Everyone in your life has to suffer. Your spouse has to suffer. Your children now have to suffer because of a divorce. Like people pay the price when you fail to transform. Is anybody, this is some good preaching. Is anybody, you do hear what I'm saying? And it's not because I'm preaching it. It's because it's the truth of God's word. Like people pay the price when you fail to transform. How many times have I heard this story? Probably countless times. I I asked somebody about their journey. Oh, when I was growing up, see, dad was an alcoholic. 
he gave in to the drink and he started abusing mom. And he couldn't keep a job, so dad had to leave. And then we struggled financially, and I was on my own, and I didn't have my father. And time and time, listen, I'm telling some of your story right now. Those around you lose out. They pay the price because we bought into some ridiculous lie about how we can't change. How many of you have been to Disney World down in Florida? Oh, look at the hands. You know that 52 million people a year go to that place I'm not even talking about the one in California. I'm talking about the one in Florida. 52 million a year. That's 250,000 a day. You know how many people ride the monorail? Did you ride the mo- we, we rode it once. Emphasis, emphasis on once. <laughs> the monorail. 150,000 people ride the monorail every day. That's crazy. Since 1971, that thing has traveled so many miles, it's gone to the moon and back 30 times. That's insanity. There are 23,000 hotel rooms on Disney's site in Florida. If you stayed in every single room consecutive, uh, consecutive nights, it would take you 63 years to stay in every room at Disney. Some of you are like, let's do it. <laughs> we would put you in the category of Disney you know, groupies or Disney junkies, okay? This, there, there are, there's like things, I think there's a Facebook group called Disney junkies. <laughs> You people are nuts. Anyway, <laughs> my brother's one of them. My older brother is a Disney junkie. Every summer they go. Every summer. Like, um, they've, got, they've got three kids. Like, this isn't cheap. You know what I'm talking about? It's like $200 per person per day. Woo! You do the math. So I'm on the phone with him the other day. I'm like, Jim, talk to me, bro. Like, you went last summer. You went the summer before. You went the summer before. What? Like, we went once. <laughs> We saw it, and that's it. It's like, you know, like, you have to help me understand, like, what's the commitment to go? And he's like, oh, bro, when we go, it's just like all your problems go away. (laughs) And you get there, the smells and the feel and the place. He said this to me. This is my older brother. He's a high school principal. He's got a master's degree. He's a smart dude. He's got a big family. He says to me, all honesty, I don't know how they do it. (laughs) I'm thinking, yeah, $200 per person per day. I can tell you how they do it. (laughs) I don't think it's that much money. I think it's like 120 a day. Anyway. Disney. Let's go back. Let's go back a little bit. Walt Disney's writing cartoons for a, the Kansas City Star years and years and years and years and years ago. And, and the editor comes to Mr. Disney and says, uh, Mr. Disney, we have to let you go because, quote, quote, you lack imagination and have no creative ideas. <laughs> True story. He goes on to try to start a business. The business fails. Can you imagine if Walt Disney would have believed that lie that I am the type of person that has no good ideas. I lack imagination. Can you imagine if you would have made an agreement with that idea? How different the world would be today. And I know Disney is the place who, that provides amusements and all that. But they, did you know they have granted over 100,000 wishes to children all across the globe? They say, I wish I could meet Mickey. I wish I could do this. They've granted over 100,000 to children who have cancer and they're dying and all these different things. See, people are being blessed because Walt Disney did not believe what he was told. 
But when we believe the lies of Satan, other people lose out around us. I'm going to hear, I'm going to share a truth with you that's going to set you free today from this stinking lie. This, this, this lie from the pit of hell. And here's, it's a simple truth to tear down this stronghold that Satan wants to build in our lives. And you ready for it? You can change. You can change. Oh, I hope you'll buy that. I hope you'll embrace that. You can change. You are not stuck. Years ago, years ago when I was first getting started on this faith journey, I, I so wanted to become a new person. I had trusted Christ as my savior and I wanted to be different. And I heard, I went to Liberty University, great university. And they, I heard great sermons three times a week at chapel from different pastors. I was taking Bible classes. I took a class on Acts. I took a class on Romans. I took Theology 1, 201, 250. I was hearing all this wonderful knowledge about the Bible. And I was hearing about how I could be a different person. but. My thought process was, God, help me to become like that. Help me to become less selfish. Help me to become more pure. Help me to become more loving. Help me to become more forgiving. And it wasn't happening. Yes, I was saved. Yes, I was forgiven of my sins, but I wasn't changing. And the reason I wasn't changing was because of my, my mind. My mindset was pray about it and God will grant it to you like a genie in a bottle. You know, you rub it, he comes out, three wishes. That was what I thought. And so I'd pray, make me more like this or make me more, and nothing would happen. Paul taught something different about change. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he said this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, there's the word, morpho, transform you into a brand new person by changing the way you, say it with me, think. Don't stop praying. Pray your prayers. Ask God. Do that. Yes, but you have to begin, and I had to begin to change the way I think. And so I'm pushing in and I'm, I'm, I'm leaning in. And I, like I mentioned, I took a class on the book of Romans and we got to chapter six. It was a verse by verse study. And it took a while to get to chapter six. Eventually we got there. Eventually we got to verse 16 and I had this watershed moment, this moment of aha, like that's it. Let me share it with you. Romans chapter six, verse 16. Don't you realize that you become the slave, powerful language, of whatever it is that you choose to obey. Whoa, that sounds like personal responsibility. <laughs> that sounds like a little bit more than saying a few prayers and asking God to change you, kind of like zap you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I would like to be zapped. Would anybody else like to be zapped? It would make it a lot faster, you know? <laughs> Take away an addiction, make you pure, whatever, right? No, no, no. He says, don't you realize that you become a slave to the whatever it is that you obey? And he continues, watch. You can choose or you could be a slave to sin lust or anger or fear or worry. And, and, and if you choose to obey sin, guess what? That leads to death, not necessarily physical death. It could include that, but death to your mind, death to your emotions, death to your relationships, death to the, to the, to the health of your soul and how your mind and your will and your emotions all interact together. Death to your conscience. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or, and this is the good news of the gospel. <laughs> I hope you can hear it. I hope you have ears to hear. That's what Jesus would say sometimes. If you have ears to hear, hear it. Or, here's the other option. You can, say it with me, choose. I can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. There it is, folks. 
It's not about praying to become different. It's not about asking God to change you. Yes, you have to do that. But at the end of the day, you have to choose. What does that mean? Well, if you're a believer in Christ today, here's how it works. You ask Christ to come into your life, forgive you of your sins. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you. Don't want to weird anybody out, but that's actually, that actually happens. He comes up, he takes residence inside of you. He now lives in you. He dwells in you. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's there to help you transform. He's there to sanctify you. He's there to change you into the image of Jesus. But we also have something else inside of us. And that is the sinful nature. Some Bible teachers and pastors will teach that when you put your faith in Christ, the sinful nature is eradicated, it's annihilated, it's destroyed. Not true. It's still there. You know this by experience. And we know it because of the text, Galatians chapter 5. Paul tells us this, talking to Christians in Galatia. Watch. The sinful nature wants to do evil. It's there. It's still there even as a Christian. Listen, at 11 o'clock at night, when you feel that voice and that urge to go to the refrigerator and get that cookies and cream ice cream, that is not the spirit. <laughs> that is the sinful nature. And it always wants to do evil. <laughs> and this is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature wants. These two forces, Paul says, are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to do or carry out the good intentions that you have. There's a battle inside. The spirit of God comes to live inside of us and the sinful nature is also there and they're butting heads and they're butting heads and here's the beautiful truth about the gospel. You get to choose which one to follow. <laughs> You're not a victim. You're not a slave. It's not you'll always be, you'll never change. No, I get to choose who am I? Am I gonna follow my sinful nature and it, what it wants to do? Or am I gonna yield to the spirit and follow the spirit which leads to abundant life and righteous living? I get to choose. And when I saw that, when I was in college, I was like, there it is right there. I started to change the way I thought about how a person changes. And I started to choose, I tried to choose, because it starts with attempts. It starts with little, little moments of recognizing the Spirit's leading in your life and his nudges. We did a whole series called The Nudge, remember that? The Spirit of God comes into our life to lead us into truth, to convict us of sin, to lead us to make wise decisions. And I started to pay attention to his leadership in my life. And this is what you have to do as well. And when he talks to you and speaks to you and nudges you, you follow, you go. And he becomes a stronger influence in your life. And all of a sudden your life becomes a consistent flow of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control and purity and courage and integrity. We can change, but we have to choose to follow the Spirit. Is this making sense? The Apostle Paul said it a different way, same idea in the book of Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. He said, those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest, will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature, brokenness, shattered relationships, a shattered mind, a soul that is torn apart by poor choices, a mind and a will that are not working together, working against each other, death and decay. That's what happens when we follow the sinful nature. Again, here's the good news, or, or, but, those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. What does that mean? 
as you and I choose to follow the Spirit's leading in our life, we begin to experience what Jesus experienced on this earth. A life filled with joy and peace instead of stress and worry. A life filled with courage instead of fear. A life filled with purity instead of filth and impurity. How do we find that? How do we attain that? How do we taste that? We follow the Spirit's leading. We, we live to please the Spirit. You can change, but you have to choose. Isn't this beautiful? This is the good news of the gospel. In your notes there, I have a little statement that says, it's simply not true that I will always, you fill it in. It's not true that I will always, always be the type of person who lives in fear. Not true. It's not true that I'm always going to be the person who lives with anxiety. Not true. It's not true that I'll always be the person who has anger issues or lust issues or pornography issues. It's not true. It's not true that you will always be an alcoholic. Not true. It is not true that you will always be overweight and out of shape. Not true. You have to let this thing go. And you have to step into the truth of God's word. Jesus said, if you continue in my teachings, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is what Jesus taught. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he said it. If you're ever wondering where Paul got this teaching, he got it from Jesus. Jesus said, if anybody wants to be my disciple, if you want to be my apprentice, my follower, my understudy, my student, you must deny yourself. It's not a popular message today. <laughs> What we hear from our culture today is indulge yourself. You deserve it. Jesus would say, no, you want to find true life as a disciple, abundant life, everlasting living? You must deny yourself and take up your cross every so often. Is that what it says? <laughs> Daily. Every single day of our lives, we take up our cross. What does that mean to take up your cross? Well, we have to ask ourselves the question. What did the cross do to Jesus? Come on, talk to me. What did it, what did it do to Jesus? It what? It, it killed him. It crucified him. Now, certainly Jesus isn't saying, go, go out and physically die in order to be my follower. Of course, then we'd be dead and we couldn't follow. Okay? So that's not going to work out. So what does it mean to take up your cross? Well, here's what it means. It means that you are going to crucify your sinful nature. Every single day, you're going to deny yourself. And when you deny your sinful nature, then the spirit has more space and more room to develop and grow in your life. And the character of Christ can begin to flourish as you follow the spirit's leading. Everlasting life, eternal life, and abundant life. Paul got his teaching from Jesus. It is not true that you will always be that way. You can change, but you must choose. Choose. Here's my question for you as we wrap up. Who will you follow? It's the question I have to ask myself every day. I'm the pastor of the church. I'm the, I'm the one leading the way. Who will I follow today? Am I going to follow Danny's sinful nature that always wants to kill the ref? Okay, not always, right? Not always, not always. But when they make a bad call, you know what I'm saying? Am I, you know, like, who am I going to follow? My sinful nature or am I going to follow the Spirit's leading? Today. Yesterday doesn't even matter. 
Oh, well, you did great yesterday. Doesn't matter you did great yesterday. What about today? Will I take up my cross today and follow Christ? Will you take up your cross today and follow Christ? That is the message, and that is what leads to eternal life. Who will you follow? The beautiful thing about the gospel is you're not a victim. You can choose. You get to choose. Oh, I hope you'll make the wise choice. I'm going to try to lead the way and every single day deny myself and take up my cross. I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to ask for forgiveness, mostly to my wife (laughs) and then my kids and then to you. But I'm going to try. I'm going to go for it. Will you follow me as I follow Christ? Will you do that? Will you follow the spirits leading in your life? It will lead you to the life that Christ has planned for you. You will tear down strongholds. You will break free from these lies. And you will step into everlasting life and eternal life. Now, some of you here today, you have to take the first step. You haven't even moved towards Christ. You're hearing me talk about all these things. Here's the beautiful thing. The cross of Jesus Christ has made everything I just said possible. One time Jesus said, unless I leave you, the Holy Spirit won't come. In fact, it's better for me to go so that the Holy Spirit can come and be a comforter and be a leader in your life and transform you and sanctify you. So Jesus went to the cross so that you can have life. The Apostle John, one of the people that was closest to Jesus, he wrote this, he wrote this in a letter. Listen to what he said in 1 John chapter four. This is how God showed his, say with me, his love for us. If you've ever wondered how God feels about you, wonder no more. He loves you and he didn't just say it, he showed it, he proved it, he demonstrated it. Listen. This is how we know God loves us. He sent his one and only son into the world to die on that cross, to spread out his arms, to be nailed to that cross, to have his feet nailed to that cross. A crown of thorns placed on his head, his back bloodied by whippings time and time again. He died in your place. Why? Look what he says. That we might live through him. What does that mean? So many preachers, so many pastors will say, so that you can go to heaven when you die. That's the promise of the gospel. It's not about this life. This life is miserable. It's terrible. You got to suffer through it. But guess what? You get to go to heaven when it's over. Like that's not very good news. I mean, I guess it is in the long run. That's not what John was saying here. He's saying, God loves you so much that he sent Jesus Christ to this earth so that you could begin living right now in abundant life, in eternal life. Yes, it goes on after you die. Yes, it includes heaven when it's all over here on earth. But right now you can experience joy and peace and reconciliation with God and intimacy with God and a heart filled with faith and a strong enough faith to overcome fear and worry and anxiety. Right now, right now you can have that. If you want, you can reject it. I would employ you not to. I would say, please don't do that. Take this amazing offer of grace, embrace it and run with it and become a child of God today. Do not wait. I would would implore you. I would beg you, don't turn this offer down. Receive God's love today that was demonstrated through Jesus Christ's death on the cross so that you can begin living an eternal life. the the life that God intended you to live. I'm gonna say a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. There's nothing special about it. It's not even the words. It's the faith behind the words. Take these words right now. Do business with God, talk to him. This is a prayer he absolutely has been waiting to answer for you. 
Reach out to him in faith and ask him to forgive your sins. Reach out to him and say, I wanna live. I receive your love. Come into my life and cleanse me and wash me and make me your child. And right now in this moment, whether you're watching online, whatever campus you're at, you will become a child of God. Will you take these words and make them your own? Pray with me. This moment's designed for you. Do business with God right now. Just say this to him, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you for, for paying the price, the penalty, so that I could live and experience love, joy, and peace. So right now, with the little faith I have, wash me clean. Cleanse me of all my sin. I reach out to you in faith. I ask you to be my savior. Fill me with your spirit. And from this day forward, teach me to crucify my sinful nature and obey your spirit's leading so that I can change and be that person you created me to be. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give God glory? Come on guys, nice and loud, amen. 79 people since January 1st have put their faith in Christ, many more today. I wanna encourage you today, if you trusted Christ, someone did this for me when I did, when I was 17 years old, I wanna do it for you today in a, in a larger scale. Someone pulled me aside after I trusted Christ, said, Danny, do you have a Bible? Are you reading it? Are you studying it? Are you memorizing certain passages? I said, no, I'm not. Well, he said, here it is. And he showed me how to do it. Since that day, I've always tried to put a Bible in people's hands when they trust Christ. And so today is no different. Online, if you've if you trusted Christ, there's a place there that says, I trusted Christ. Put your address in there. We'll send one of these to you in the mail at any of our campuses. If you trusted Christ today, go to the back of your auditorium. Someone will put one of these in your hands. Don't just take it though. Take it and begin reading it, begin studying it because as we read the word of God, listen, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, right? God changes us into the person we're supposed to be by changing the way we think. No better way to do that than to take God's word into our mind and heart. One more time, can we give God glory? Come on, nice and loud, come on, Woo. amen. God is on the move, he is doing something powerful. Right now, I'm gonna invite all of our campuses to stand to your feet. There's no better way to close out our services today than to worship God from our hearts. And just let this be a way that you just communicate with him and you express to him your love and your adoration and your worship. And then our worship teams will close us out. See that you're shaping
Thank you so much for this time to focus our hearts, to focus our minds on the truth of who you are, the, the truth of your word that sets us free. God, help us to put into practice what we've heard today so that we might look more and more like your son, Jesus, because that's what this is all about. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. God bless. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next weekend. And as always, bring a friend.